You're listening to episode two of Brave and Boss season three. I can't wait to dig in on this Instagram follower request topic, and it's how to choose what products to sell on your online store. So I'm going to be talking all about assortment planning, merchandising, and all that good stuff with lots of actionable takeaways. So let's get started. Welcome to Brave and Boss, a podcast for the purpose-driven founder who wants to grow their e-commerce business. I'm your host, Christy Sumer. I'm the CEO and founder of the Ethical Fashion Line Encircled, a conscious business coach and passionate about helping you break through your limits and build a brand that matters. Let's do this. Welcome back and happy new year. If you haven't listened to the last episode, which came before this, um, I did a 10 things I did right and wrong in 2019, which is a really popular episode every single year. So I recommend you go back and listen to that after this one. Um, today's episode is the second episode of the season. It's our third season of the podcast, which is crazy. Um, and it's actually a request from somebody on Instagram. So I love getting requests. Anytime you guys DM me uh, with feedback on the show or uh, say thank you so much or whatever, all those great notes that you send me, I always ask what topics I can cover because I want to make this show as relevant as possible for you. So if we haven't met yet, I'm Christy Sumer. I'm the founder and CEO of Encircled and the host of this podcast. I'm going to be doing some solo casts into the first bit of the year, and then we're going to be adding some interviews, which is really exciting with some entrepreneurs who um, have started from nothing and have grown their businesses. So that is going to be really new this season, and I'm excited to share those people with you because um, I think you can learn so much from them. But today's episode is going to be all about how to choose what products to sell. And specifically, I'm going to talk about um, something that I like to call assortment planning. I don't even know if that's the right term. We used to call it that when I worked in um, management consulting. But I want to talk about how to look at your product assortment and decide what products to feature, what products to um, you know, keep and maintain, what products to grow, what products to maybe sunset or discontinue. And I'll walk you through the process that I use at Encircled to review our products. Because as a small business, you know you can't have this massive broad assortment. It's just, it takes so much inventory dollars to hold products, unless you're a made-to-order business, in a number of SKUs. And SKUs are stock keeping units, if you guys are new to that word. Um, so you don't want to have like 10,000 SKUs. I mean, I know brands that do for sure. Um, but it's a lot to maintain. It's just so much inventory to hold and manage. And my theory is always that less is more. And I, when I worked at Colgate Palmolive in brand management, they were very regimented around doing a SKU review every single year and going through their product offering and saying like, you know, which ones aren't performing, which ones aren't doing as well, which ones have low market share and discontinuing those products because they knew that even that like, you know, two or three SKUs, they may be holding millions of dollars of inventory. Um, and if it's not moving, there's no point. And especially with products with expiry dates, that can be another factor as well. Uh, so depending on what you sell, this kind of practice may have to happen more often. So I typically do it um, twice a year, I would say. 
but casually I will be reviewing the numbers like probably four times a year. I think getting into practice of reviewing stuff at the beginning of each quarter is a really good idea. So the first thing I like to look at is I'm going to tell you guys to create a spreadsheet and I know that is shocking. So if you're new to the podcast, I love spreadsheets. I mean, I, I'm a bit of an Excel geek, but you can do this in Google Sheets, which is super easy to set up and work with. And don't worry, it doesn't have like a ton of formulas, but what you're going to want to do is go into um, Shopify or whatever your e-commerce platform is or your inventory system. And I'm going to do this at like a high level. So I'm not going to look at like size analysis. That would be like a detailed SKU analysis. I'm going to do a product analysis. So basically what I'm going to do is pull all of the products. So, you know, at our store, we have like the nomadic V-neck, but I'm not going to pull like nomadic V-neck extra small black. Like I'm just going to keep this pretty high level to start. And then you can always like delve deeper into products. If you see little clues, you want to investigate more. Um, so what I do is I create this spreadsheet. I put all the product names down in the first column, column A, um, it's just starting at the top, going to the bottom. Then the next column, column B, I put the introduction date. So when we brought this into the assortment and now this will take a little bit of time for some of you. Um, uh, once you've done it, it's done. And as long as you keep it up to date, it's great. But it's funny how like as you grow, you start to forget <laughs> what you launched when. Like it's such a blur for me now. Um, so we keep a record of those dates in there. And then the next column over is end date. So for anything that's been discontinued, we'll mark it as discontinued in the spreadsheet. Um, and then basically the next columns are just going to be um, looking at what percentage of revenue that this product represents. So this will be dealt from, typically I have like a summary tab and then I'll make another tab with all the data. Um, but typically I will take um, the total dollar value of the sales for, let's say I'm looking at this, let's say I'm looking at this in like the end of Q1 this year. So I'll take year to date, um, total revenue by product and total units by product and then total revenue as a company. And what I want to determine is what percentage of business does that product account for year to date? So that's a very, very simple calculation. All it is, is taking, you know, the total revenue of that specific product, let's say the nomadic Phoenix and dividing it by the total brand revenue. Um, you can do it for units as well if you want, if you want to compare both, because sometimes you will have a higher volume product that doesn't have a high price point. So it's good to look at both lenses. And then what I'm going to have you do is compare it to the last same period last year. So I would take, for example, if we're doing this at the end of Q1 2020, um, I would want to compare it to Q1 2019. You could also compare it to Q4, but the problem is specifically, I know there's a lot of people who listen to this podcast who have fashion businesses or other seasonal businesses is that the volumes kind of change a lot. So if you're comparing Q1 to Q4, it's just not necessarily an apples to apples comparison because the volumes are just so high in Q4 with holiday shopping and Black Friday, et cetera, et cetera. So I always like to compare like to like, which would be like the same period last year versus the same period this year. So you're going to do the same calculations. So you're going to do what percentage of business did that represent in that period last year. So I'm looking at an example here. Um, 
Let me give you guys an actual real life example. Okay. So we have a design called the all day work dress. It represents about three, just over 3% of our business. Um, this was last year. So year to date last year. Um, I'm not exactly, I think we did this in, I think this was done in spring. So it was probably like six months ago. So it's a little old. We need to redo this actually. Um, but it was 3% of our current business year to date in the first six months and the same six months, um, the year prior, it was 1.87. So that has grown quite a bit. If you compare it, um, the revenue has grown a lot. The units have grown a lot. It's increasing its share in the collection. And what you're kind of trying to do is if you have more data, like if you've had a business for a long time, you can go back and do, I would suggest doing like, you know, 2019 versus 2018, 2018 versus 2017, 2017 versus 2016, and go back at least three years. Um, some of you may be having products that are just in and out seasonally every single year. So you may just like not even have that data, but if you do, it's really interesting to see. So what you're really looking to do is do a comparison and identify products that are low share of business and typically declining. Um, and you want to make some decisions. So typically if I see something that is a low share of business, so it's a low percentage of revenue, um, and it's also declining year over year, that to me would be a pretty strong candidate for discontinuation. Um, it's declining in revenue. It's taking up inventory. The velocity of that product is slowed down um, on a year over year basis. And this is why I think it's important to look at a couple periods. So that 2019 versus 2018, 2018 versus 2017, because you can have those years where there's like an anomaly. But if you see a consistent trend, um, that's something to really pay attention to. So, um, the second thing I would look at is I would look at a product that is, um, declining in share year over year, but is still a relatively high volume of share. So for example, in our collection in circled, we've had this multi-way eight in one piece. It's the piece actually I started the collection with almost eight years ago now, which is crazy. Um, so it's been in our collection for eight years. So and it's in three sizes. So it's not surprising that, and we don't feature it a lot, to be honest anymore. We used to see it with a lot of bloggers. Um, so the share of that product as part of the overall revenue has actually declined, but um, it's still a pretty significant portion of our revenue, especially when you total up all three sizes. So I wouldn't necessarily discontinue that product, but what I would do is when I'm forecasting my inventory, I would make sure to make a note that, you know, the velocity of this product has slowed down a lot. So we shouldn't be making as much inventory. And then if you think it's a candidate where maybe it just needs a little bit more light, maybe you need to feature it more, then maybe you can feature it and see what it does next year or next quarter. Um, but it's important to kind of have those like more holistic dis- discussions around some of these things. Um, another example would be like a product that's growing like, a lot. So these would be like your top performers. So we have um, a couple of products in our collection that are growing both in revenue share year over year and are a large portion of our revenue. And those would be like your kind of workhorse products that I see in your collection. Like those are those products that you know your customers love and probably new customers love. And you want to get more customers trying them. Maybe you want to um, introduce new colors or fabrics or product lines or sub product lines. But there's something to those products that is really hitting it with customers at this moment. So those kind of products that are growing in, like, let's say the revenue percent of revenue one year was 
5% and then the next year it's like 10%. You can really ask yourself like, why is that? What happened? Did we get like a bunch of features on it? Did we grow it? Or is it just something that's really resonating with our customer? And what I do with those products, and I know I can name them off to you right now because I know exactly which ones they are. Um, those are kind of our stars in our collection. So those are ones where um, I feature them more. I'll typically use them in um, collaborations with new bloggers because I know that they resonate with people um, or press. And I will also um, try to figure out ways to line extend. So line extensions are great ways to build out your collection, leveraging something that works already without having to totally redesign a product. So for example, let's say you make you know, mango soap and your mango soap out of all the scents of soap is just like popping off. It's doing amazing. So what else can you make a mango? Maybe you can make a mango body butter. Maybe you can make a mango um, scrub or mango face toner. So starting to really identify what products are successful because I love saying that success leaves clues. It absolutely does. And that is so true with product development. Oftentimes, like I find, I think a product is really great, but then when I actually look at the numbers, I'm like, oof, that's not great. You know, cause I'm sure you've experienced it where you actually fall in love with a product in your collection and you're like, I love this product. This is why it's so amazing. But then when you look at the numbers, it's like hard to deny that this is like a good product. So that would be kind of the first exercise I would do is do that kind of what I would call a line analysis. So look at the products, the introduction date, the end date, if it's been discontinued and the current percentage of business during whatever period versus the same period last year. And then look at a couple of years back and start to make your list of products that like aren't really doing well and consider those for discontinuation. The next thing I would look at is, and I'm not exactly sure how to get this data out of Shopify, but I think there's a way if you have advanced reporting. We use a tool called Glue, G-L-E-W dot I-O. And Glue is really neat because it has the ability to pull return rates by product. And if you're using like a return software, like something to print labels and stuff like that, you may be able to actually get this data. Um, but I can see which products in my collection have the highest return rates as well. So if you are in e-commerce, you need to know what your average return rate is in general for your store. How you figure that out is you just take, there's a report if you're working in Shopify and there's a tab called um, analytics, you go into reports um, and then you go into the finances report. Uh, finances summary, and then you would just select whatever period and then do the line returns divided by gross sales. And that will give you a percentage. Um, you really want to know what your return rate is because it impacts everything from how you market to how you sell to product development um, and what customers you're working with and all that good stuff. Um, but so I would know on average what our return rate is. We track it actually weekly at Encircled um, because returns, as you guys know, are super, super costly. Um, but we've just started delving in in the last like year into return rate by product. And so that would be like another layer that you can add onto this line analysis. So you can look at the return rate by product. Um, and basically saying like, which, if you don't have this data, by the way, I also want to say, um, if you're involved in the customer service or if you have somebody in customer service, they can probably tell you which products are most returned anecdotally. And that will give you like a high level directional thing. 
Um, but basically what I do is I know our return rate on our U.S. store typically sits between 10 to 12%. So I will run that report in glue and I'll pull a list of products, um, return rates, and then I'll sort the return rate from highest to lowest. And then I'm going to look at any products that are above the return rate average. I typically won't look at something that's like 1% above. That's not really that significant to me. I'm looking at the products that are like four, five, six percent above that. And that becomes another layer. So if, for example, you're seeing that, um, a product is declining in current, you know, business year over year, um, declining and it's in a low share and then it's highly returned. That may be a, like a bit of a dud of a product. And that may be definitely something you want to take out of your assortment because it's not doing you any favors. Um, so that's a really important layer to look at. Um, for example, but I will say like return rates by product, it again depends on your industry. I know that like jewelry, for example, isn't really returned that much. Shoes are very highly returned. Um, makeup and stuff like that is usually not returned as much. Uh, clothing for sure is high returns. Um, and that's definitely something you want to work on getting down. And I plan to do an episode on that at some point as well on how to reduce your return rate. But um, for now, I think the thing is, is just to look at those products and say like, why is this being returned? And so let's say you have like five or six products above your average return rate, then you're going to want to compare it to this line analysis and see if there's any correlations. Like, does anything kind of stick out to you that makes that like, you know, makes sense or doesn't make sense. And then for example, like some products are just higher returns. Like we know that encircled jumpsuits are higher returns just because of the sizing and fit. Um, but you know, we had a design that has five star ratings. So this is a real confusing one has five star ratings. Um, and it's a seasonal product, but it's very highly returned. So what I challenged my design team to do is to go into customer reviews and read the reviews, but also go into our customer love system called gorgeous, which I'll link to in the show notes as well. Um, and do like kind of an anecdotal, um, scan because oftentimes I find, um, and this may not be the case for everybody, but we have lovely customers encircled. Like they're so lovely. And sometimes if a product, um, isn't good and they don't like it, they will, they don't want to write a bad review. Like they're so nice. But then they'll tell us in like an email or something like that. So we try and capture that feedback and we always put it in. We have a Slack channel called customer feedback, uh, for the team so we can see it, but it's hard to kind of like aggregate it in one spot. Um, so that's something we would look at and then we would see like potentially, I think with that design, what came out of it is that it's just the fit isn't, it's a bit boxier than people are used to. So we're going to work on changing the design a little bit and altering it a bit to fit more true to the size chart. So the next year it will be less returned. So those are the types of decisions you can make when you have the right data. And I know data can be very overwhelming for a lot of people. So don't get overwhelmed at this point. If you can only do that, like sales by SKU or sales by product analysis, great. That is an excellent starting point. Then you're actually doing something um, versus doing nothing at all. Um, so start with that and see where it goes. And then, like I said, like it's a great opportunity to um, take those successful products and figure out what you can introduce in its place. Um, the other thing you may, you may also want to look at unit velocity, but the other thing, if you are super advanced, this is an advanced move because 
I do this, but if you don't have a team to help you or the right systems, it can be a little difficult. But um, I'm able to drill down into the profit by product. I can actually get to the profit by SKU um, with some of the systems we have. We use an inventory system called Stitch, um, and Glue also will give us this data as well. Um, and that's another factor as well. So, like again, another example. Let's say um, you have a product that's declining in share. Um, you know, year over year and as a low share of business and is also low profitability, like that's a no brainer that that should be out of your collection a hundred percent. But if you have something, for example, like, um, I'm trying to find an example in our collection that's highly profitable. Um, I guess our all day work dress is okay in profitability. Um, and it's growing. It's not like blowing the doors off, but it's doing okay. And it's growing year over year. Um, and it has a decent margin on it. So we would probably keep that in the collection. We would just manage the inventory to an appropriate level. So those types of data points are really important in determining what products you're going to be selling this year and which ones you want to kind of get rid of. Um, it's very common, especially if you're playing in like the fashion accessories, jewelry kind of round to want to like, refresh your whole collection and get rid of stuff. But I encourage you to like keep some evergreen products. So keep products that are timeless in your collection. If they're selling, don't get rid of them. Don't do like, don't redesign them. Like keep them, keep them. We just did a redesign of our pants, but that's the only reason we did that. Those pants had been in our collection for like five years and they needed like a design update for sure. Um, but that was like really scary because those pants are like a very high portion of our business. Um, but I wouldn't do that every single year, like no freaking way. It's just way too much work and it's way too scary to mess with what's working already. I think as entrepreneurs, sometimes we get a little distracted by that. We might want to like fix something that's not even broken because you can feel the satisfaction of doing something. Um, been there for sure. I'm raising my hand, but don't get distracted by that. Try and figure out what your core products are that can exist in your collection year over year. And yes, maybe you want to tweak the materials or whatnot. Um, but if you have something that works, and it's working well, keep it in there. Because the the reality is a lot of us, especially if we have a product that has manufacturing costs in it, like or tooling or anything like that, like the re-engineering of a product to replace that and the sampling costs and all that kind of stuff is very expensive. People don't think about that, but like an average fashion sample, it's somewhere between $800 to $1,200 per piece because of the time that goes into you know, fitting all the muslins and then doing a first sample and sewing the sample and then refitting it, then grading it. Like there's so many steps to it. So if you have stuff that already works, I implore you to keep it in. Trust me, like I've had a top in our collection for now five years um, and it's still growing, which is amazing. And we haven't even redesigned it. So if you can find those like core, like let's say five to seven products that just can stand the test of time. And those can be products, hopefully, ideally that really resonate with your customers, but also really showcase what you can do as a brand, keep them in and, you know, highlight those superstars, as I mentioned in influencer promotions and press, and don't forget about talking about them because sometimes we get focused on new news and we forget about those old kind of like stable workhorse products. And we need to give those products some love as well. So hopefully you found this helpful for determining what you should have in your collection in 2020 
Um, and again, when you're looking to add new products to your collection, definitely think about what's working already and how can you tie into that and do more of that. Um, launching a new product that's totally out of left field um, is a really difficult proposition. I've tried it and it's very hard to get into like a whole new area. For example, we launched like a men's t-shirt at one point and it, it wasn't very successful. And the reason is, is our website doesn't really speak to men and men, we don't have any male traffic. So it was just like not the most thought out, whereas it would have been better focusing those resources on developing maybe an extension to a product that already worked. All right. So thanks for listening. If this podcast resonated with you, please, please, please rate it on iTunes or whatever you're listening to this on. It takes like two seconds to do a review and it really helps me. And if you have any episode suggestions or any questions you want me to answer live on the podcast, hit me up in the DMs at Brave and Boss. Thank you. Talk to you guys soon. Thank you for listening to Brave and Boss, the podcast. If you want to take your e-commerce brand to the next level, be sure to check out my website at christysumer.com, where you can find all the show notes, free resources, and blog posts and principles to help you grow your online store. You can also follow me at K-R-I-S-T-I-S-O-O-M-E-R on Instagram. Find your purpose, make it happen. I'll talk to you soon.